First John chapter 2 verse 16 said, For everything in the world, the craving of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Yeah. And, and when I was looking that up and the scripture, another scripture came to my mind that said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Mm -hmm. In the world, but not of the world. So it is not surprising then that one of the most evil men in history <clears throat> was also among the most outwardly prideful. I'm, I'm I'm sure you've met people who have a lot of pride and and uh, a lot a lot of a lot of pride. Uh, considering what we know about Nebuchadnezzar, it is perhaps not surprising that he became prideful. He would. When you look at him and study him, and that's that's what we're doing tonight, uh, he was a very successful man, uh, and I'm sure you've met people who are very successful. He was also a powerful man. Um, the Babylonian Empire reached from modern-day Iran and Saudi Arabia to Turkey and Egypt. Babylon was an amazing city in its time. Many scholars refer reference it vast hanging, its vast hanging gardens, one of the seven wonders of the world. Now, I've seen some things in this in this old world that, uh, but, but my mind cannot even begin to imagine. Uh, what what this place must have been like you know what what his his kingdom he what what he was the king over I, it's hard for me to imagine one individual so powerful that uh, controlling uh, all, all of this but we find we find that we look at a lot of different things, but how do you define the word pride? What, when, when, when you think about pride, how, how do you find it? And then, <clears throat> let me ask another question. The Bashful Church, how do you do, what do you think of when you think of pride? Boastful. You know, Who? Thinking out for yourself. Boastful? Boastful. Look what I did. Okay. Self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Why is pride both dangerous and sinful for the Christian? Why is pride dangerous and sinful? Right. Somebody will think he's better than God eventually. So maybe it's like someone like Satan had so much pride that he thought he could overthrow God. 
went. Yep. Satan. Satan thought he could overthrow God, so that's what uh, that's what Ryan said. All right. He was full of pride, and he was. He was a prideful person. Yes. Yes. God's got a way of bringing us down. <clears throat> he always does. He always will. You know. But uh, you you have a <clears throat> worksheet that. Uh, what causes pride? <clears throat> and if for some reason you didn't get one, there there extras on the back table there. And they give, <clears throat> excuse me, they give several scriptures that, and I did not look them up or include them into the night's uh, reading because we'd be here all night if we did. But uh, let me encourage you on these handouts to do them. Don't just don't just lay them aside and uh, you know if we're if we're really going to study and learn from God's word, let's get involved in it. Amen. And uh, it they they have several scriptures on there that that uh, talks about what causes pride in one's individual's life. The Lord had a way of getting, uh, God had a way of getting uh, Nebuchadnezzar's attention. Daniel chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, uh, it, it is better understood that in chapter 3 we find that, uh, that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow to the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had made and uh, in his anger because three boys wouldn't do what he told them to do well, he told them if they didn't they were going to put him in put them into the furnace and the furnace would be, would be heated seven times hotter than it's ever been heated and uh, when you read chapter 3, you find out that the men that was going to throw uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, uh, the heat was so intense that they died. So, in looking at that, they told Nebuchadnezzar, we won't bow because the God that we serve will deliver us, will take care of us. But if he don't, we still won't bow to your golden image. Amen. So, the king's arrogance, my goodness, I, I'm the king, you know. Uh, I've given the command. They didn't, they didn't obey the king's command. But, so he had them thrown into the furnace. The vet tells us that uh, Nebuchadnezzar went and looked into the furnace but he said, did not we throw three into the furnace, yeah. but I see four yeah. that's in there. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that kind of thrills me, gets me excited to know that whatever I'm going through, whatever I am facing, whatever the devil is throwing against me, God is still there. Amen. Amen. He is always there, and He always will be, because He has promised that He'd never leave us nor forsake us. But uh, 
we, we find that the events of Daniel chapter 4 occurs in the latter part of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And uh, which was a, it was a time of great prosperity. Uh, it was a, gr a time of great success for him. And uh, he was, his kingdom was flourishing. He was, uh, I mean, everything was coming up roses for him. He was just, uh, everything was good. Then, then a dream, another dream. Now, he had one about this, the image. Now that he's got another dream, uh, that kind of messed him up too. So, you know, have you ever had anything to mess your thinking up? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's similar to chapter 2, but he immediately sought help for the interpretation of the dream. Uh, again, he called his wise men in, and once again, the astrologers and the magicians they were unable to interpret the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. So he was troubled. And uh, in verses 8 through 18, that we find that Nebuchadnezzar was uh, troubled by this dream, and, and he referred to Daniel as Belshazzar. Now, he's the one that gave him uh, this name, but uh, this was the Babylon name, and it, it is it referred to the king's god. Uh, translated, it means Bel, the king's god, protecting his protect his life. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a clear recognition that God was with Daniel. Mm -hmm. Amen. I I thought as I was looking at this. How many people can look at us on today and tell, say, God is with them? Yeah. You know, they they know you don't. They don't have to ask questions. Uh, they can just see it. And really, not only can they see it, but they can feel it when uh, when we are around them. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> knew that the true God was with him, with Daniel, and so he called Daniel in to uh, interpret this dream. This dream would declare the power and the sovereignty of the one true God over all the kingdoms of the earth. The king knew he needed an interpretation. So what did the dream mean? you want me to read that dream, brother? Do I want to read it? Do you want me to read it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Daniel chapter 8, uh, chapter 4, verse number 8. Yeah. This is the dream. Uh, uh, excuse me, chapter 4, verse number 1. Uh, verse number 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. 
So I commanded all the wise men of Babylon. He brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. Yeah. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the pl plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. It says a messenger entered the dream, likely an angel that that uh, that was there the end of the dream and uh, stripped the tree the animals flee from it unharmed only the stump and the root would remain guarded from destroyers by iron dew from heaven would nourish the trunk for seven seasons since Babylon had <coughs> two seasons wet and dry mm -hmm. so I, I, I've had problems because some of the commentaries I read in this when it says the seven seasons some of them said seven years and then some of them says you know seven seasons which was a season of wet and dry so uh Another commentary said probably three and a half years. So, and I think that's what the NIV says in this three and a half years. It says seven times passed for him. The footnote says or years. So it, it we just, we may not know. Okay. But uh, three and a half years or seven years, take your pick. It's a long time. <laughs> to go through what he did. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's for sure. But this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had would declare the power of, of God. And uh, it was not just 
right then, but it was in that one place, but he was uh, over all the kingdoms of the earth. God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, God is in control. You know, you, you wonder, of all this junk and stuff that's going on in the world today, uh, that we are seeing, when you turn the television on, you see, you'll be depressed after yes. you get through watching it. Um, and I know you probably get tired of hearing yep. about all of it. Yes. Uh, you, you know, but still yet, God is in control. Amen. You know, we 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 can lay down at night and in peace and know that regardless of what comes, regardless of what goes, God is in control of everything, and uh, God alone decides who will lead kingdoms. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm starting to get all kind of things through the mail. Vote for this one, vote for that one, vote for this one, vote for that one, you know. And uh, most of them I never even heard of, so, you know. <laughs> you know? But, uh, but but still yet, God is in control of everything. Regardless of what comes or what goes, God is in control. Amen. So the king knew he needed an interpretation of this dream. And what did the dream mean? He sought out Daniel because Daniel had the Lord within him. Amen. Now, I said a while ago, he knew that that God was with Daniel. And I said, you know, a lot of people need to know, they need to know that God is with us. But they also need to know that God is in us. Amen. That th God is in us. I think it's important to note, too, that Nebuchadnezzar, he was full of pride, but you can tell he knew Daniel was had the spirit of the true living God. He knew that. But the scripture says that um, that he had the dream, he was troubled by it, and he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what it meant. So only when somebody who is so self-reliant and full of himself gets to the place where they just don't know what to do. They think they know what to do in every situation, but then when there's a God thing that happens in his life, he doesn't know what to do. And so he looks to people who have no godly influence at all. Because he said he called the diviners and the magicians and they couldn't help it. So when you're faced with a difficult situation and something that you don't know what to do, the first thing that you want to do is not to call, or I use a double negative. The last thing you want to do is call upon people that have no clue about spiritual things. People who don't have a relationship with God. And then he called upon Daniel because he knew that, well, if nobody can do it. And, and many times people will look at God as a last resource or spiritual people as a last resource or when ho all hope is gone. They'll look to people who, who really have a connection with God when we can have a connection with God ourselves. That's right. That's right. Right. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. That's all right. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, it was not easy for Daniel to interpret the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 4 verse 19 uh, says he was perplexed by it. Um, 
the message conveyed is that Daniel knew what the dream meant but was troubled as the thought of explaining its meaning to the king. He even went so far as to, to declare that he wished the interpretation applied to the king's enemy. No one, not even a great man of faith like Daniel, relished the thought of delivering bad news to a king. But yet, Daniel proceeded with his interpretation, and then the tree represented Nebuchadnezzar. His greatness reached to the end of the known world, reflecting in its incredible military success. In that context, the distant part of the earth would extend throughout the Mesopotamia region and the Semitic world, which we would regard as the Middle East today. Uh, it hadn't been too long ago till we heard a lot about the Middle East. Nebuchadnezzar had established himself as an unequaled power in that part of the globe. Why do you think Daniel struggled to tell Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream? Power. Huh? Power of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he could have people killed. <laughs> Real quick. Probably his power because he could have people killed. Anybody else? I mean, would you be afraid to tell him? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Daniel wasn't afraid, but he didn't. He didn't want to do it. But <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it. You know, I got some bad news for you. Yeah, there you go. Your Majesty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm just the messenger. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it vital to recognize that obeying God can mean following paths of uncertainty and even danger or fear? Telling people the truth of God could get you killed is the comment that was made. Okay. It goes on and says that Daniel's interpretation was truly sobering and frightening. For it involved a decree from the Most High God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself had acknowledged the eternal greatness and dominion of the Lord. Now the Lord had a disturbing message for the king. <clears throat> Has the Lord ever had a disturbing message for us? Huh? Wow. Do what? You gotta hear the truth somehow. <laughs> you gotta hear the truth somehow. Yep. Nebuchadnezzar would be driven into a situation in which his life would change dramatically. Just as the tree was cut down, he would be stripped of not only his rule, but even his sanity as well. 
I heard a message one time that they in, entitled it that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a nervous breakdown, as you know what, and they used this as an illustration mm -hmm. uh, that he he lost his sanity. This powerful king, brilliant in warfare, would be reduced to the mentality of an animal in the field. Now, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to wrap my mind around uh, something like this happening to an individual. But still yet, on, on the other hand, it's not hard to realize that God is still in control. Amen. Of what, regardless of what's going on, God is in control of everything. And uh, it's that he himself would live as such an animal, consuming the vegetation, vegetation of the field like an ox. Mm -hmm. Yet his life would be preserved. Wow. Mm -hmm. The dew would provide the moisture he needed until the time of seven seasons. And there again, they say the season is, uh, there's two seasons in a, in a year, wet and dry season. And this, this, the moisture that he needed, uh, the seasons would pass. What a pathetic scene it would be, a tremendous downfall to the lowest of position from the mightiest of kings. The purpose of all this was directly related to Nebuchadnezzar's extreme arrogance. The stump along with its life-giving root signified that his kingdom would be restored when he acknowledged an important truth. Almighty God is the supreme ruler. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amen. He governs all the earth from the heavens. At this point, Daniel offered some valuable counsel to the king. He must break off his sins or renounce the terminology alludes to the image of an animal breaking free from a yoke. And in the place of his sinful arrogance, the king would do works of righteousness by adding the oppressed, by aiding the oppressed. It would be a stark turnaround for this brutal, arrogant king. That's in verse 27 if you're following along in your Bible. Well... The fulfillment of this dream then would be conditional. Uh, you know, really, all the promises of God are conditional on our part. Amen. There, there are things that we have to do. There are things that we're supposed to do. Uh, If the king continued in his wickedness, wickedness, he would face horrible judgment. God's moral law was binding even on him, a mighty king. 
But if he would humble himself, he could avoid judgment. How many times have we brought things on ourselves because we insisted on doing our own thing? Pride can be danger in a sinful world, especially when the world around us often seems to give high value to focusing on oneself and one's desire. We, we must recognize that God rules all of creation and we are accountable to Him. Have, uh, have you ever heard anybody say that I'm, a, I'm not accountable to anybody? Mm. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard that. Uh, but we are. We are accountable, you know, right. and uh, we're accountable to God. Amen. I'm, I'm so grateful that I know that God is the God of love. Amen. But I also know that God will only allow that love to be stomped on, stepped on, crossed on. Yeah. For so I think he, there's one place in the scripture that says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And I know we have used that as a, you know, when for, for the loss, people saying, hey, you know, when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, but I, I believe that also is true to a degree on Christians. God's Spirit will only allow us to go so far. And uh, I, I, I think about David, where David prayed the prayer in Psalm 51, Take not the Holy Spirit from me. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I <laughs> I want to feel the Spirit of God Amen. every day. Amen. Amen. I want to know that He's alive and well in my heart and in my life. A full year passed without Nebuchadnezzar experiencing judgment. Some scholars speculate that perhaps Nebuchadnezzar attempted to heed Daniel's word for a time, bring up about the lapse of time before judgment. But any change of heart by Nebuchadnezzar was temporary because judgment did come. Uh, that's verse 28, I think. Verse 28. And, and I think that the scripture where it talks about how that God is long-suffering that all should come to repentance. Right. That comes to mind. So he gave him a good chance. A long time. A long time, a year. Verse 28 says, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 29, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power... And for the glory of my majesty. Wow, he was arrogant. Yeah. Oh, look what I have done. Look what I have built. You know, I uh, 
I've, I've heard the pastor say, you know, I this this is not our church; it's God's church. Amen. It's not the pastor's church; it's God's church. Amen. That's right. You know, and uh, I've I've been in places where I've I've heard pastors state my church, I, and I've been guilty when I pastor. I've been guilty of saying my church. You know. And I've also had the Spirit to quicken me, hey, it's not your church. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church. That's right. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against Amen. it. You know, I think a lot of times when the churches get in trouble is when we try to take over God's position. Yeah. Instead of letting Him take care of it. It's interesting note that archaeologists have found inscriptions wow that we have been to the, I, 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 some of the places on news that they show uh, I, I think and I told my wife you know, hey I've been there I've stood there I've, you know I, I know what they're talking about there so it's hard for me to realize that and go back and dig out things that have been written years, years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, not just a few years, several years, thousand years ago, that uh, that was there, and and to see that it how it brings the word of God, let you know that hey, it's real. Amen. It's real. Amen. It's it's not a it's not something that uh, just just happening it's it's real it's alive and well and uh, they have found that things inscription that uh, pertains to Nebuchadnezzar during his kingdom during his time um, so what is recorded in scripture I mean it, it just brings it it's alive you, you know when you pick this up it's alive amen it's alive and uh, wow, such inscriptions declare him to reign forever and enjoy the special favor of his pagan gods. The inscriptions make no mention, however, of the one true God. Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar's vain celebration of self was interrupted by a voice from heaven. Everything Daniel had declared was about to come to pass. Mm -hmm. The weight of God's wrath would settle upon the king. He would be driven out from his people and separated from his nation, losing his power and the life of pleasure he enjoyed. Instead, Nebuchadnezzar would live like an animal, existing in all of the unpleasantness that such a life would involve. Verse number 33. That, you want to read that Immediately, one? what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Wow. So he became just like a brute beast, yeah. you know, living, living out in, in the fields. Amen. Uh, his fingernails grew, 
Commentaries also note that the climate in that region, the area of the nation of Iraq today is extremely hot, with temperatures reaching upwards of 120 degrees and lows at time falling below freezing. Wow. Mm. Constant exposure to such extremes would toughen and thicken his skins. Truly the king had become a frightened figure suffering in a primitive existence. This terrible state of being would continue for seven seasons. And this again is where that I saw that one of the commentators said that for seven years, three and a half years or seven years, like you said, it's a long time. Can you imagine running into that creature out in the middle of, of nowhere? Right. That'd be a scary thing. Yes, it would be. Seeing a see. man that's just like an animal. Why might a person struggle to heed a warning from God, even if he or she believed the warning to be accurate? Why, why would anybody hear a warning from God, believe that it's true, and then does not take action. Maybe they don't have time for it. Too much pride. Too much pride. It happens a lot sooner than you think. Think I've got lots of time. A lot of people think they got a lot of time. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. What are some ways God might humble us in order to refocus our hearts and give us a new proper perspective? What are what are some of the ways that God might humble us? Sometimes He can take our excuses away. You know. Um, could be could be a lot of stuff. I, I can't I can't do this for the Lord because I'm too busy doing this. Well, what happens when that is gone? And it could be work. It could be any number of things. At the end of the seven seasons, God restored Nebuchadnezzar's sanity and allowed him to become aware of his situation. In that moment, the king praised the Most High and declared that his dominion is an internal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. The king exalted in his own splendor, power, and greatness. Now here the king acknowledges God to be who he declares himself to be. Psalms 46 and 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. 
Amen. Wow. Psalms 46, 10, or 47, 9 says, The nobles of the nation assembled as the people of, the, of God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. The nobles of the nations assembled as the people of the, of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Amen. Psalms 99 and 2 said, Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Amen. Uh, wow. Amen. The Lord is exalted, Psalms 113, verse 4. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, His glory above the heavens. So, Daniel is telling the statement that all the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. What can we learn from Nebuchadnezzar about the proper response when we when we realized we've sinned? Repent, yeah. Repent. Which which what does repent mean? Repent means not just be sorry for something or say a prayer and say I'm sorry but to turn away from that action and don't do it anymore. A turnaround. A turnaround, a complete turnaround. That's right. As Christians, we are wise to examine ourselves for pride or selfish ambitions. Look at how you view yourself. And there could be a rabbit trail there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but we have to ask the Lord to help us reject pride and instead walk humbly in fellowship with Him, honoring others as greater than yourself. Yeah. Romans 12 and 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Yeah. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Amen. I... I look at I look at this and you know you know we you read things you read the word of God and I don't know about you but it's hard for me to understand how that a man in this position is pride arrogance you know. Uh, do we have that kind of pride or that kind of arrogance in the world today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me, myself, and I. But it doesn't start out usually that way. True. It starts off gradual-like, doesn't it? 
I mean, um, people are, um, uh, if, if he was as arrogant as he was when we read this story, if he was that arrogant when he was a young boy, he'd have gotten slapped down so quick by his mom and dad. That's for sure. But he grew into that. You've got a handout that that says it's self-examination. Take a look at that. You don't have to respond to this, and you don't have to write it out now, but I thought it's pretty good. Um, it starts gradual-like, and if we can answer uh, a certain way to these questions, that might be an indication that gradually it's crept in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't like listening to others, true or false. I have difficulty accepting advice from certain people. I don't like being around people I perceive as being on a different social or economic level than I am. It bothers me when someone, even a family member, tells me what to do. I tend to shift the conversation from other person to myself. I tend to find fault with others. I tend to see myself better than some people. I often find it necessary to voice my opinion. I make excuses when the Holy Spirit convicts me about something, and I often try to fix things myself rather than asking for asking God for help. If those things hit home in any way, then I would say that we need to really, really get close with God, closer with God. I, I think as we we look at that uh, we can see there's some things there we'd have to answer false on a lot of these mm -hmm. or we'd have to answer true on a lot of these I tend to find fault with others no, I don't, except for this person or that person. Yeah. I, uh, of course, we, you know, gossiping part is not on here, but uh, we don't gossip everything we say about our neighbor are true, you know. <laughs> I often find it necessary to voice my opinion. got to get the last word in. Yeah, I, do. I don't like listening to others. It bothers me when someone, even a family member, tells me what to do. <laughs> wow. That's some powerful things. Self-examination. True. That's true. Ministry, ministry to others is a great way to practice humility. Amen. And this, uh, there, I think there's a daily reading. Yes. Yes, there is. On the back of self-examination. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do not 
have a devotional time each day. Uh, I trust you do. I hope you do. But if you don't, this would be a good way to start right here. And this is easy. Tomorrow's devotion is four verses. Four verses. You yeah. can read that in less than three minutes. Four verses and then just make some notes about it. Wow. Now you don't have to stop with four, but that's just what's suggested. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I usually do a couple of chapters at least in the mornings. That's... Uh... Of course, I've gotten trouble before from devotion time. Uh, you know, if it's an emergency, we help out. But if it's not, what well, <laughs> we're going we're going to do the devotion first. Yes. Take care of it. But then there's some uh, daily readings that it's on the on the back of that self-examination paper. So. Uh, let's do. Let's get involved, and uh, this 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 is a good study. Amen. It's it's a good study, and uh, really to tell us where we're living. <laughs> Amen. If we really get involved in it, but I, I'm looking forward to what God. I'm excited about what God is going to do. Amen. And. Uh, the more that we get involved in it, why? Uh, I, it's hard not to preach about some of this. It is. It is. That's where the that's where the preachers got to turn off and the teachers yeah to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Uh, you can take it and run with it. That's true. That's true. That's true. Pastor, I enjoy this. Amen. I enjoy it. Uh, it lets us know what pride really is. Right. And reminds us that we need to be solid in our foundation of faith so that we can show that care and compassion. In your Bible, in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says that pure religion, and you can put the word Christianity, your walk with God yes. is this. That you care after the widows and the orphans. In other words, look after those who are less fortunate. Those who are in desperate need. That's the first thing. And the second thing it says is to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. That is what God recognizes as true religion. True Christianity. True walk with God. Is doing for others. And when you're doing for others, you're thinking more about them than you are yourself. Because if you look out for other people, then God is going to look out for you. You put your relationship with God first. You keep yourself from being polluted by the world. That keeps you in tune with God and His mission. And it allows you to be able to reach out. Because reaching out to other people is not just for their physical needs but it's also for their spiritual needs and you cannot do that you can only do part of that if you are right with god you've got to be right with god on the inside or everything you do for somebody else is only humanitarian and that's not what god's plan is his plan is that we reach out in love in godly love so that other people can see Christ in us. 
So we need to be reaching out and doing that. Let's, um, let's pray tonight. Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you, Lord, that uh, this example that you've given us in Scripture. And Lord, we thank you for reminding us that we need not to be prideful and full of pride and arrogance. That, Lord, you are sovereign. You are still in control. And some things that we think we should control, Lord, we relinquish that over to you. God, we come before you today realizing that you are the one who created us. You gave us the breath in our lungs, and we thank you for that today. Lord, we ask that we humbly come before you and just repent of any sin or wrongdoing in our life. We trust you for salvation from sin. We repent of those things that are wrong because, Lord, we know that without you, our life is just a mess. And God, we just ask right now for your Holy Spirit to just lead us and guide us. As we put you first in our lives, we renounce all of those wrong choices. And Lord, we ask for your help not to make them again, but to keep our foundation pure and solid on your word. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship of godly people that we can stay in contact with to help encourage us and to lift us up in the name of Jesus. We praise you for that. As we have gathered here tonight, Lord, not to be one any better than the other because, Lord, we your, your love reaches all of us. And you play no favorites and you made a special message of that to Peter, letting him know that you don't show favoritism to anybody, that you love us all the same. None of us is greater than the other, but Jesus is the greatest because he shed his blood so that we could all live free. And we thank you for that today. Lord, we come into this house and we just worship you. We thank you. We give you praise. Lord, you said in your word that we can come boldly into the throne room, the very place where you are, and find grace and help in the time of need. And we do that, Lord, not pridefully, but humbly with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, we just are so thankful and, and filled with gratitude for you. And what you have done for us. Our hearts cannot even contain the, the, the depth of love and compassion that you've shown to us. And the grace and mercy that you've given to us, Lord. We didn't deserve it, but you gave it to us anyway. We thank you and we praise you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.